Hey guys. I'm Noelle Moran. And I'm Lois Shaw. And this is In Service. Hey guys, it is the final episode of our medium sized series on what the Bible says about teaching. And we're going to wrap it up with some verses that don't mention teaching because we're rogue. Uh, no, but they talk about work, which we decided counts. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, so we kind of just wanted to end on a note of encouragement and just a way to frame teaching and what we really believe it is all about. So today we are going to be reading, well, Lois is going to be reading from Romans 8, and I will be reading from back again in Colossians 3. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So what we really wanted to cover today is our motivation in teaching. And as we approach our jobs, are we setting our mind on things above? Are we setting our mind on the spirit? Are we working for the Lord rather than for man? Because it is very easy since we live in the flesh, as I said, the word flesh 1000 times as I read Romans 8. Since we live here in our bodies, in the world, in time, with all these limitations of being a person, it's very easy to feel like that is the end. Um, but we live in light of eternity. And to look back on what Noel said a few episodes ago about being heaven-minded and thinking about how how does what you're doing in a day matter for eternity? And how can you worship in your job, even if it doesn't look like actively singing praise song or actively reading scripture aloud in the hallway. Like what does it look like for you to worship in the mundane moments of your job? Yeah. I think the idea of what does it look like to worship in like you were saying, Lois, in the mundane moments of your job, I have a quote right next to 
my Keurig on my desk. Um, and it's by Paul David Tripp. He's talking about parenting and teenagers. And as someone who teaches high schoolers, one of the quotes that he had was, teaching teenagers is a time of unbridled opportunity. And as an English teacher, I like, and a creative writing teacher, I like dramatic language. And so this mm -hmm. idea of unbridled opportunity, like there's no end to the amount of opportunities that I have as a teacher to play a role in my students. I have it right next to my Keurig because I need to see it all the time. And I need to be reminded that it is a time of unbridled opportunity. Mm. Um, because at this point, at least in my school year, um, we're a month in, six weeks in, and things can start to really feel mundane. You get into a rhythm. I have built a lot of relationships with my students. Mm. We're going on to our second novel. A lot of things are can feel a little copy and paste. We're in a rhythm. And that is kind of when things can start to, kids can start to lose their focus. I can stop my patience is running out a little bit more quickly and you can get, kind of just get lost in the to-do lists and the amount of things that you got to do every single day and kind of lose focus of what's really important. And for me, I was just having a conversation with a couple of my friends earlier and we were talking about what we would do if we weren't teachers. And I said, I was like, at this point in time in my life, there are a lot of things in this world that interest me career-wise that I think would probably be a lot of fun and would pique my interest. But when I look at teaching, that is my greatest opportunity to make disciples. That is my greatest opportunity to touch a lot of lives. While there are other things that could pique my curiosity, there's other avenues I could go career-wise. I look at teaching and I think about when I get to the end of my life and I look back on it, what do I want to have done? And what I want to have done is impact kids' lives. I want to be a part of them and I want to be consistent in their lives. And if that is at the forefront of my mind as I start every day, it just changes my attitudes towards teaching. It changes the way that I approach my students, the amount of patience I have. And it's really, I'm got to have those sticky notes around to remind myself, like, this is what it's all about. Even in the moments when my students have been given one little task, and they're asking a million questions about all I told them to do was write their name on an index card. And suddenly we have seven hands in the air. A moment easy for me to be like, okay, <laughs> why, why do I show up every day? Why do we have so many questions? Mm. But to instead just take a step back and be like, I don't need, this doesn't, they may have questions. We may have gone over this a lot of times, but it's an opportunity for me to show grace. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, because teaching is so you're getting like a lot of feedback all the time from like informal and formal, <laughs> either because you're looking in a room full of face expressions and there's just this constant, I mean, kids don't hold back on what they feel, even if they don't use their words, it's clear if your room of students <laughs> is tracking with you or if they're not, or if they hate your class or if they don't like there, there's a lot of, you're receiving a lot of feedback. And Noelle and I have talked about how teaching like the beginning of the school year, we're both like, Oh, I forgot how insecure teaching makes me because everyone's staring at me and listening to me all day long. It's a public job. You're all of your work is in front of a lot of people, very performance-based. Um, and then you're getting feedback on how well you're teaching every time you grade something you know, how much they understand is feedback on our teaching, getting evaluated by parents and 
their feelings on how you're teaching their kids. There's just a lot of feedback and a lot of evaluation that is uncommon in other fields. And it's easy then to start focusing on that and seeking approval of people. And just in Colossians, in Colossians 3, right, not by way of eye service or people pleasing, I, I really think that that is a, a tender word to us where we don't have to please everyone and we don't have to, a successful class doesn't mean every single student in the room is happy. And like, what is success? What are we measuring it by? Are we measuring it by people, our students approval, our admins approval, parents approval, the state's approval, or are we measuring it by the Lord's approval? And I believe if we are working heartily for the Lord, those other things fall into place. Like then we'll do our jobs well, because we're motivated to be excellent when we're doing things for the Lord, but the end can't be people's approval. Even when we crave it, even when we're doing our jobs in hopes of like a student telling us they've, that we've changed their lives. I think for me, one thing that I struggle with when it comes to teaching is that I really do consider it to be a job of utmost importance because you do have an incredible opportunity to touch lives. And so I think that's what makes me so critical about it. And then, like you're saying, you hear so much feedback. Honestly, being a teacher is like watching your life be incorrectly narrated by your students all day long. They'll just tell you what's happening constantly. And you're like, okay, that's not really what's happening, but that's your perspective on it. And I can't, not much I can do about that. One and, of the Emmys narrators last week said that being around high schoolers is like having a constant internet troll in your face. <laughs> okay, it's, it, okay, that's it's so, so critical. Okay. They're so critical constantly. Um, okay, keep going, keep going. You're making a good point. Yeah, I think that because teaching matters so much, and I do consider one of the best things and worst things about teaching is that you're never going to be good enough. And so in my brain... The moment a school year starts, I just have this voice in the back of me screaming, in the back of my head screaming, are you doing enough? And the problem is, is that I'm never going to answer that fully yes, because Mm -hmm. there's always more that I can be doing. And there's always more engaging lessons I can be planning and more interactions with students and other students where there's just constantly this voice in my head that's like thinking about, am I letting relationships with kids slip through the cracks was I fully present in this conversation the list goes on and because of that feedback can be such a game changer Mm. like I can have a high high when I hear positive feedback and such a low when you hear negative feedback and it's been really difficult and I have not achieved perfection in this area at all but to just remind myself time and again this is not about my feelings. Hmm. This isn't about how I feel at the end of the day, Hmm. but it's about submitting my work to the Lord and asking for him to change my heart's desires and to be what my students need me to be. That's the only way I'll be able to do it. And then also trusting that the Lord is working through me. Even on days when I'm like, okay, I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. If I came to the end of my teaching career and I never, ever saw the impact of what I was doing, would I still be showing up the same way every single day? And would I still be faithful to the Lord? And would I still be confident in what he's doing through me, even if I did not have the physical proof of what I believe to be true? That's what faith is. That is believing in the Lord. I was 
just since you just brought up feelings, I've been thinking a lot this week about when God calls us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm learning in the Psalms that heart and soul are used differently. And I think I use heart and soul interchangeably. And just as an epiphany I had this week. So I asked a bunch of people what their thoughts were on the difference between heart and soul, because I'm learning that heart, soul, and mind are very muddied for me in both how I talk about them and how I understand them. Because feelings, uh, I use too frequently as a compass and I can't decide if that's the brain or the heart. (laughs) And But what, as I was asking people this, what kept coming back consistently is the concept that the soul lasts and the soul goes on. And my husband was saying like the, the heart is an organ and it ends the brain is an organ and it ends, um, how we feel feels feels how we feel feels so pressing and like such a gauge on how we should act and, um, very telling on whether or not we did something well, but all of that ends like how we feel ends, what we think ends, but our souls are incredibly secure in Christ. And that's what I want to set it on. I think in Romans, when it says setting your mind on the spirit, setting your mind, so I'm just causing a huge spaghetti in my head now. What? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? I actually completely know what you mean, but I think you should keep them causing a spaghetti in my head. Okay. <laughs> okay anyway, but setting your minds on things of the, uh, set your mind on things of the spirit is life and peace. And just thinking about life and peace are things that I can feel like are sucked out of me when I am focused on my feelings, which are the flesh or people's approval, because that's of the world. And those things suck life and peace. And kind of what you were saying about riding the highs and lows, like the highs feel so high when we get approval and the, and then we get a disapproving email from a parent. It's like such a low, low. And I wonder if I was totally secure in Christ, if it wouldn't be such a roller coaster for my heart and mood and motivation. Not that receiving positive affirmation and then feeling happy about it is bad, but it can't, it can't be what motivates me to do things well. It can't be the identifying factor of you feeling like you're a good teacher and a negative comment or negative feedback can't be what makes you think that you're a bad teacher like who you are and your identity as a teacher and as a human being isn't reliant on other people's Mm -hmm. view of you and the work that you're doing. Because the same way that I said, students have such a skewed view of what's really happening sometimes, especially when they're narrating my life, people giving you feedback oftentimes don't have the same perspective on you either. That's true. Also teachers with a lot of charisma tend to be like the faves of the students and charisma is not one of the things that the Lord calls us to have. I think it's awesome. And it lends to great opportunities to lead well, but I mean, the verses about living a quiet life and honoring the Lord and working onto him. And I think you could be a teacher that 
maybe you're the type of teacher that flies under the radar, but you could be working heartily for the Lord and you are storing up treasure in heaven and you are doing an excellent, honorable thing. Like being a great teacher doesn't mean you're the teacher that they pick for student teacher volleyball every year. That was That's a actually word of insecurity from me because I've never. That's actually, that. my... <laughs> That's actually my personal nightmare. <laughs> I'll be running away if somebody asks me to join. I think when it's talking about when it says you who live according to the spirit, set your minds on things of the spirit. It's such a beautiful, gentle call to the opportunity we have to be free that we are of the people who live by the spirit. And so let's live like it. My, one of my friends um, was talking about birds. (laughs) Me too, actually. Okay. She was talking about like a bird in a cage and we, Maya Angela, the caged bird. Yeah. And when you open the door, like they don't always fly out. Like they don't realize that they can fly and they're free and they don't have to stay in the cage. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of believers. Mm -hmm. We don't realize you don't have to live according to the flesh and you don't have to be, you don't have to live in the exhaustion of people pleasing and you don't have to work for man's approval. Like you get to work for the Lord and the Lord loves you so much like so much more than you could fathom absolutely nothing can separate you from his love and you don't have to earn it and you're just remarkably lavishly deeply completely loved and that's who you work for like that's ultimately your boss that's awesome like you have the most empowering person in complete authority of your life and gentle and lowly and loving and merciful and kind and good. And he, if the fruit of the spirit is, I was just thinking the other day about how fruit of the spirit is like a phrase we use a lot, but it's the fruit of the spirit. So it means that the spirit is joyful, loving, kind, gentle, like he is that towards us. And I don't, that maybe is obvious to everyone else, but it just occurred to me like two days ago that the fruit of the spirit is how God is towards me. I don't think I thought about that either. I'm a little bit disappointed in myself right now for not having thought about that. Also, of all the thoughts my brain has thought, we couldn't have landed on that one sooner. <laughs> also, First Corinthians 13 is how God loves us. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He's patient. He rejoices in the he bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow. Like, wow. That's how God loves us. I was. Um, I'm doing, I'm reading through Mark in my devotions and a couple days ago, I read Mark 11 and one of the things that it said was essentially after you pray, understand that your prayers have already been answered, go into prayer, knowing that what you are about to pray, the Lord has already answered. Like he has answered the prayer, even if Mm. it's not the way that I expect or in the time you expect, but he hears them and he's answering them. Mm. And do I trust that to be okay? And he listens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What you were saying earlier about when it's like the 30th time that your students have asked you a question or something that you've clarified a thousand times in writing and on Google classroom and with your words and they still ask, I'm like, that is God's life. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was being like, Lord, will you provide? Oh, that's convicting. <laughs> He's like, how many thousands of ways can I communicate to you that I love you and you don't have to earn your salvation? And like, I, I will always come through for you. It is convicting. Okay. Action steps. Action steps. Action steps. Let me think critically. Well, do I have a practical action step to this? Okay, I have one. I have one. Let's say them at the same time. <laughs> okay, you go. All right, so uh, my action step comes from Colossians verse 15 when it says, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body mm-hmm. and be thankful. When I think about the peace of God ruling my heart. And when I feel most peaceful, it is when I am starting my day and ending my day in his word. And mm-hmm. I think as a teacher, but probably in the same way in anyone's life, when my alarm goes off to when I need to be at work, it feels a little bit like a whirlwind. And one thing I've been doing this school year has been prioritizing my mornings because one of my favorite things about summer is slow mornings. And so forcing myself to have slower mornings and taking that time to just slow down for a moment and spend some time with the Lord mm. before school. And then again, making time for that uh, before I go to bed has been a, has played a huge role in making me feel at peace and just centering my mind on things above as I begin my day and as I end my day. Mm. Mine is get a post-it and write on it something along the lines of, I work for Jesus and he loves me or like do this for the Lord and put it somewhere where you do your most mundane work. Like I'm about to go make copies. Maybe don't like leave it on the copier. (laughs) You could, (laughs) but all those things, like I'm making copies or I'm making a quiz or I'm grading this 30th version of this essay. I signed, put it somewhere where you will see it all the time. And you will be reminded that, who you work for loves you and you don't have to earn your salvation or your father's love. Anything that happens from the beginning to end of your day does not change the way the Lord feels about you. That's deep. I mean, yeah. So like the, the reason we're going to do our jobs well is out of the freedom that we're completely left. So like, let's celebrate. Let's be grateful and celebrate. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you feel empowered in the gospel and in the words of the greatest teacher. Go and make disciples.